Hey, this is Daniel. I'm Noelle, and this is the Quick Philosophy Question Podcast. Or QPQ for short. A podcast dedicated to bettering our understanding of philosophy. Hey guys, we are back for another podcast. So today we're going to be talking about democracy, consent, and power. Yeah, and how it deals with knowledge and um, informed voting and consent and all that. And all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a fun podcast yeah, today. So, yeah, and then we're going to bring up a model of how uh, it can be incorporated into your own thinking. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. And hopefully, after we're done with this, you guys can understand why we have different kinds of um, democracy and why we are not necessarily a direct democracy. Yeah. And what we yeah. can do to better our current democracy. Yeah. And we yeah? thought this would be a super like relevant um, topic for our current situation and how democracy is changing in the 21st century and especially with elections just ending so <laughs> fun yeah, so hopefully yeah super that'll become discussion useful. yeah okay, cool so we're gonna start with um like a kind of basic summary of two very central well like two or three very central questions in this topic which are going to be the philosophy of power and the philosophy of democracy and consent. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to start? Again, I think um, philosophy of power. Oh, should probably go first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, so yeah. So, the philosophy of power is a branch of philosophy, essentially having to do with defining power and as well as its consequences. So, philosophical thinkers in this field dealt with issues of how power relates to knowledge and its ability to affect societal change. Um, so one of the most uh, leading, like primary thinkers in this field is Foucault, who is a 20th century French philosopher, and he's one of the most cited thinkers having to do with this topic. Uh, his theories are especially interesting because he refused to provide a singular, like clear definition of power, and he relied on this fluidity and like vagueness and obscurity as part of his thinking. And he also approached the idea of power with a certain skepticism for the Hobbesian theory that sovereign power or supreme power is the only form of power. One of his most important works is called Discipline and Punish, which, interesting side note, the French title translated to Surveil and Punish, which drew super interesting direct correlation between surveillance and discipline. But in that text, he delves into sovereign power through the most basic example of prison and prison dynamics. So he constructed this tower in his mind. I don't think it actually ever got actualized, but um, in which each prison cell faces outwards from the tower and is lit up by a window in a way that the prisoners could be constantly watched without knowing that they are. And in this scenario, he draws out kind of like the most central form of direct sovereign power and punishment, um, while also asking questions about in which form this sovereign power can come and why it transitioned from more old techniques into new techniques of surveillance and whether that has to do with us becoming more humanitarian in the 21st century or something else. Uh, so yeah, so that's Foucault. And other thinkers in this field include John Locke, who contemplated ideas of how power related to political philosophy and knowledge, and Machiavelli, who defined three different forms of governmental power, which were monarchy, 
a democracy and republic. And Stuart Clegg, who approached the philosophy of power with a three-dimensional system, like a kind of model of circuit boards. So yeah, that is philosophy of power. Great, like super well, well researched and thank deep. you. <laughs> cool. So I'm gonna talk about the democracy and what that is. So a quick definition of democracy is that it's a form or a system where people choose who fill governmental offices and who are in like certain kinds of government, like part of the government, right? So there's two main forms of democracy, electoral democracy and liberal democracy. And electoral democracy is more of a minimal minimalist version of democracy where it's trying to have different representations of um of the people in the democracy and also is based upon a constitution that the democracy has to follow right there isn't necessarily a specific definition of democracy that people have used throughout um, this isn't because, you know, people like to argue, mm-hmm. especially on definitions and whatever. Yep. But, you know, um, they still talk about um, how in different parts of democracy, you need to um, have different things to make sure that it works well. Like the freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, inclusiveness, equality, membership, consent, voting, right to life and minority rights and whatnot. And um, a huge part a huge thing that is um, part of democracy that has been thought of is the tyranny of the majority, where the majority rules can overshadow um, smaller minority kinds of rules, like the same thing that we see with different societies and um, slaves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's a huge thing in democracy. Yeah. But um, a hu- another thing that John Schumpeter and other people brought up John Schumpeter, John Stuart Mill, and such brought up was how and these we should... are all philosophical thinkers in that field. Yeah, they are philosophical thinkers in that field. Yeah. Um, another thing that they brought up def- um, relating to democracy is how democracy isn't necessarily a static thing, and how it grows over time, and how um, it's not something that you lose. It's not something that you build once and it's maintained forever. It's something that continually can be maintained and continually be improved on, especially with the different kinds of stuff and social um, ideas that come later on. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's super interesting because I was just talking about how uh, Foucault didn't, like how he didn't want, he refused to have one concrete definition. And yeah, I think that's super similar to what you just said about how everything's like constantly changing and fluid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also thought it was really interesting about how you brought up that even though no one really agrees on a definition of democracy, how there's like universally accepted qualifications. Yeah. Universally accepted things that help it become a better democracy, you know? Yeah. But are they universally accepted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. But I mean, like most of them are in a sense that's well yeah they're universally accepted to the point where they define them as attributes of a democracy of a well-functioning democracy but not necessarily to what extent they're used and would you say that that's like kind of fundamental to the definition of philosophy (laughs) 
<laughs> to the definition of philosophy, yeah, like um, the definitions of the specific words that you use mm-hmm. also are a hugely debated topic. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure. But I mean, like, it's good that um, in political philosophy, when they're trying to have specific definitions of um, democracy, they are just talking about more precise versions of it and mm-hmm. what it can look like in real life. So sort of like a functional definition I rather see. than one we are just, you know, this rather is that. a super abstract one. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, was that it? Did you have any more? Nope. Cool. That's all you got for that. Yeah. Cool. So do you want to introduce our model for today, our real life situation? Real life situation. Amazing. So um, this is going to be sort of a new format for our podcast where we discuss, well, we bring up a situation and we try and discuss our ideas around that topic around that situation so the situation for today is you are starting a country Mm -hmm. and the national elections are coming up so what kind of voting system would you use and why yeah so we were hoping that this would be a really good foundation for talking about different um forms of government and you know the flaw the pros and cons of those forms and that that would lead into more discussions of power and consent yep so yeah i think it would be really interesting to start off by looking at kind of uh what's been done in this situation in the past because you know every time there's a new the you know it's kind of part of why we study history is like to look at what's happened and uh to improve on that and so i think uh one of the really well not not very basic but one of the easiest ways to observe the different forms of government and their pros and cons is by looking at the ancient roman government because they had periods of monarchy and uh democracy and republic and Wait, I, actually, hang on. I think it might be. It might have not been in that order. I think it was monarchy, republic, and then empire, which are kind of like cool. different degrees of democracy. And I think correct me if I'm wrong. That might not be completely right, but that's like, like that's like yeah. But those are like the different um, degrees of governmental power, right? Because republic is kind of um, you know one of one of as. Pr- democratic as you can get which well we'll get into later about why you can't have just like straight up democracy direct democracy but um Mm -hmm. yeah and then monarchy and then empire which is kind of like what would you call what would you see as the difference between um parliamentary kinds of democracy Mm -hmm. like they have in the uk and other stuff like that and um more presidential um parts of democracy like they have in the u.s uh so I see. So, the the difference between parliamentary democracy and presidential democracy. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I like. What do you see as the different benefits? Not necessarily how they work. I'm not quite <laughs> researched enough into that topic, but I'd say that there are like definitely, you know, subtleties between them that create like a vast gap in how much democracy they are which obviously like the u.s has has more degrees of democracy than the uk like the u.s has more forms where it can implement different stuff yeah kind of like there's more opportunities for the people to have power Mm -hmm. 
Would you do you know the like the correct answer to that? <laughs> like, I I don't know the correct answer to that. Um, myself, I'm looking through something right now mm-hmm. that is discussing those things, but not necessarily direct. Ooh. But also something that I realize is that we've sort of gotten off topic of mm-hmm. the actual situation that we wanted to discuss first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, well, I do think it's useful to like cover, um, you know, all the different forms that you could take in this situation, mm-hmm. all the different roads that uh, and it's especially easy to think about that when the, those paths have already been taken and you can True. observe like what happened from them. So, uh, yeah, so I think one of the questions we wanted to answer was why democracy has to come in degrees, like why it can't be full and complete direct democracy. Because I, I think it's because it, there aren't any recent examples I don't think of nations which have started out and become like direct democracy just like without any just like straight like whoever the people vote for like popular vote becomes the leader Uh so I think it's become um, kind of forgotten maybe of why why democracy has to come in degrees yeah. So what do you think? What, what's your approach on that? So um, when I was reading something by, I believe, John Stuart Mill, or is it Larry Diamond? I don't really yeah. remember <laughs> particularly. Yeah. I'll bring, we will have that in the um, sources below. But generally, um, when I was reading on representative government, the main reason why they believe that to be an ideal form of government is because it's basically trying to say that not every single person in a community can know every single thing that is being like voted on and whatnot and because they don't have that knowledge on every single thing then it's not like they can make the best decision in their own interest you know well, right but if but if that's your argument then why would we have democracy at all why have democracy at all because it's like the reason why we have democracy in the first place is so we can have the will of the people mm-hmm. being displayed in like but higher forms. There, it could be argued that if you're not representing the will of those that don't know everything, then it isn't technically the will of the people. Well, I mean, like there are certain things that the people want, right? N- not necessarily because mm-hmm. they we know that if they're fully conform- informed or whatever, but. Like, for example, when you want... I'm bringing back the pie example. But um, when you really want pie, like, you might not necessarily know exactly how you want to get the pie, right? Or yeah. you might not know exactly everything about that. But in that moment, the will of that person is to get pie, right? Mm-hmm. So, in that sense having a democracy where the will of the people that like the will of the people that are living in that society are enforced is the point of democracy and the reason why people um some people believe representative democracy to be the ideal form of democracy Mm -hmm. is because it's impossible for every single person in your society unless it's like a small town or whatever to know the details on every single thing that could be decided on right Right, of course. So that's why they well, believe. Well, I mean, 
Well, it's it, nearly impossible. Nearly it's, impossible. Like for now, since we have a limited memory and limited resources to think about right, stuff for now. Right. But you know, in the future, stuff can happen. So you're arguing that in order to be, in order to achieve your will, you must have complete knowledge? Not necessarily complete, but sufficient knowledge to make well-informed decisions or well, like, good but decisions. But so then what about the people that can't access knowledge and that's a huge thing like at what point do we talk about at what point do we stop at what point is it important to inform our society and at what point do we leave that to other people well yeah well my question is at what point is it okay to take away power and representation from a person because they don't have knowledge Mm-hmm. on that specific topic which is really important you which, know you know well by your definition then knowledge is power knowledge is power <laughs> like you don't get mm-hmm. representation if you don't have knowledge yeah knowledge which is seems form. a bit flawed <laughs> a bit flawed yeah that's true that's why i believe that it's important to make sure that every single person is engaged in that form of democracy or that form of system that they're in right, right? but how do you do that well, like the specific policies of how you would accomplish stuff like that usually just comes through education. And this is exactly why teachers are so important to our future of our society, right. even though they don't get respected as much as they should. But mm-hmm. that's another topic for another day. Yeah, But, but yeah. I mean, education in itself isn't perfect, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And also, it it's important to talk about like the... The direction of education at least in the for, in the sense of our society yeah it's like what do you inform people on like is it that you should inform people to learn how to think critically or is it that you should inform people to do certain stuff because like information itself is not necessarily truth in itself of you know? course well yeah well that's the issue <laughs> yeah like what do you choose to inform and what is on? truth really <laughs> yes yeah so another thing i think i think we're kind of string a little bit a little bit so um, yeah but, getting back uh, so i think also an important question that we should probably answer is why like america specifically why we have chosen to have the electoral college mm-hmm. because originally in you know in the first model of america it was essentially just direct democracy essentially but that was when there was like still a small enough group where it wouldn't really matter as much if you know well obviously it failed because we constructed a new one Mm -hmm. so but i think it's important to define why it failed Mm -hmm. which like my approach on that is that the pros of the electoral college is that it guarantees power for um it guarantees power for every place you know like even though there are you know certain states in the u.s that are like way less populated than others they still get guaranteed representation mm-hmm. whereas if it's just um well, technically, if it was just a direct democracy, there wouldn't be states, really. <laughs> True. Because the Electoral College is, like, one of the only things that are keeping but states. But actually, 
Well, actually, to debate on that a little bit, it's yeah, like okay. a direct democracy doesn't necessarily have to be on a like the point of a direct. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Um, the point of the direct democracy, at least when we're talking about national elections, right, which was sort of the point of our situation, right, is that you're trying to get the overall idea of what that society wants for that whole nation. So there could be like individual states to talk about individual like stuff that happen in their region, but there can also be like a direct democracy for all of it. So that's partially the reason why but that's not really a direct democracy uh-huh. True. <laughs> one would argue but yeah so i think it's important to answer that question before we move on so yeah did you have any other questions regarding that democracy and- <laughs> i mean obviously we have questions to do regarding democracy but any anything you want to bring up right now um yeah i think an important thing that we could talk about at least in that form of stuff is the tyranny of the majority, which is a huge part of why. Ooh, what is that? Which is basically just saying that if you have a direct democracy, right, mm-hmm. then the person that is trying to get elected mm-hmm. for a specific seat doesn't necessarily need to care about whatever the minority is in oh, that oh, particular yeah, case. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Whoa, I didn't know that was like an actual term. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a huge part of why um, direct right. democracy is not like... That's a really, tyranny of the majority? Yeah, that's a, I think that's what it's called in general. That's a really interesting term, yeah. Really? It's really cool, like, tyranny. How many times do you, <laughs> how many yeah. times do you see that, like, used in regular terms or whatever? Yeah, well, that's, like, one of... I think you probably run into linguistic issues with that, like, with the use of the word tyranny, because... Um, it's a you know it's a really strong word yeah. and like the majority does rule. True. So is it so? But I mean, like the point is when you are in a society, mm-hmm. it's talking about how much you should care about the minority's viewpoint mm-hmm. of that society, and I feel like it's important to have a democracy that works for all the citizens. Of course. Or else that isn't necessarily. Like, the person in that society isn't necessarily benefiting from the democracy. Yeah, so essentially it's to keep power for the minorities. Yes. So that's why direct democracy isn't... That's a huge factor of why direct democracy isn't necessarily used. Right. Or whatever. But yeah. Cool, yeah. So... To talk about our um, main topic again, like... Mm -hmm. You, Noel. Like, let's ask the question for you. If you were studying your own country, <laughs> if you were studying your own country and the national elections were coming up or whatever, right? Well, if it's elections, you're assuming that I would pick a democracy. True, true, true. Well, yeah, Which that's sort of like I a. I wouldn't necessarily. Ooh. So, what would you do? But I don't know. Well, so I was thinking about this, and um, I think everyone obviously leans toward democracy because. It, you know, it gives power to the people. But, you know, like, sometimes we avoid discussing the pros of non-democratic governments. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, things are just way more efficient in non-democratic governments, which is kind of a really oversimplified um, approach, idea. But, um, like, I was, I brought this example up earlier, but, like, in China, if you want to build a railroad, 
it gets done really fast and then mm-hmm. suddenly you just have like a trans nation railroad and it's like it's really good for economy and everything whereas in america you would have to like go through you know everyone's controversy about that and like it's destroying old land and then like it's like step by step by step and it's, it would just take way longer so there are certain which you know could be argued that that is the better form but you know uh non-democratic governments obviously have their pros because they exist pretty much everywhere pretty much everywhere. so mm-hmm. yeah so it is it's definitely important to not just like kind of default to assuming that mm-hmm. well I feel like the reason why it's a huge like default mm-hmm. setting in a lot of people's minds is because the form democracy in itself right mm-hmm. is in and at its core mm-hmm. is trying to get to the will of whatever the citizens want right right whilst an, an authoritarian government or in um fascist governments or communist governments or whatever well not not necessarily communist that's a different thing but mm-hmm. um in fascist governments and in authoritarian governments and whatever it's not necessarily the will of the people that is being prioritized but right in- but we were talking we were talking about this a while ago about how the the government still has to satisfy the people to a certain degree Mm-hmm. Like, they can't just do whatever they want. Whatever they want. So, yeah. So, that's actually... That is that is a very interesting point that you bring up. It's mm-hmm. like, what the purpose of a... What I see the purpose of a society as, right, mm-hmm. is one where the... One where the society provides the basis and the tools and stuff that like that for the individual people to achieve their own interests. Mm, it doesn't always do that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always do that, but that's why I believe... Oh, you're saying like, d- democracy? No, or? the basis of what a society should oh, do. Oh, should do. Should. I'm not <laughs> saying that it always does, but... Is ought. <laughs> is ought. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I see as the purposes of a society, and I believe that democracy, where it's trying to get the will of the people, is also inherently trying to get the... Is helping them increase their own interests, like get their own interests. Mm. So I believe that democracy more um, directly instills that compared to like authoritarian, communist, or fascist governments. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Of course. Well. And like. That's why everyone <laughs> yeah. favors democracy. Basically. But uh, I mean, if going back on your argument that not everyone knows everything about everything all the time, mm-hmm. sh- they're shouldn't there should only be democracy to a certain degree exactly so representative in a sense but there's also um i think we haven't touched on this quite enough and we only have a couple minutes left but the relationship of consent to democracy and yes that's a huge it's a huge one like um that's that's you know everyone the government has to if you're when you're creating new government you have to balance that and um i think a really a kind of interesting way to look at it is from like a medical perspective like because it's kind of a similar relationship between a doctor and a patient who isn't necessarily has all like has the capacity to give consent mm-hmm. which um is kind of the same argument with between a government and the people it's governing exactly about how informed the individual has to be before they consent mm-hmm. To certain things. Yeah, and then there's also like coercion and 
you know, like preventing nice. certain people from voting and like different blockades, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. So like consent is kind of like the basis of government mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, actually, something that I also wanted to bring up in relation to that mm-hmm. is um, the direction of a the direction of a society and also um, generalized consent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So talking about that, it's like for generalized consent, it's like let's say that someone agrees to something, mm-hmm. right, but mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily believe it to be the best thing. Like, yes. Like, for example, if you are in a meeting or whatever, and then they're trying to decide on X option or Y option, right? Well, even actually A and B is usually used, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, X option and Y option, mm-hmm. right? So in that case, most of the people there, right, mm-hmm. can agree and say that that it. X option is the best option, mm-hmm. right? Even though the other people don't don't necessarily agree and say that Y option is the better option. Right. For the people that believe that Y option is the better option, mm-hmm. is it okay to go with X option even though they don't necessarily agree? Like, they don't necessarily believe that's to be well, the best thing. it depends thing. on why they're going with X option. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, if, they don't, if, it, if they're going with it despite not believing it, there must be something happening. Sure. So it's talking about to what point we should agree on different stuff. Yeah. And whatnot. Uh, I wish we had more time with this yeah, topic. Yeah, I wish. These Our topics are so up. cool. Well, yeah. Is yeah. there anything you want to say to like wrap wrap it up? Wrap it up? Uh, go and um, discuss these stuff by yourself. Go and create a government. <laughs> go and create a government. Go and start a nation. Oh, yeah. Um, but like the a huge part of this podcast is just to bring up these topics because like we're trying to do this in a 30 minute time span and mm-hmm. it's not enough yeah, time. Yeah, we just, we just like opened like 19,000 doors without closing <laughs> any of them. Pretty much. So but, yeah, hopefully this helps you try and think about different stuff yeah. in your own life Yeah. and um, how this can relate to you and whatnot. Yeah. So please, please, please go and think about this. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Talk to some people, whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Also, always, sources are in the description. Mm -hmm. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Noelle, do you have anything to leave off with? We will be back in two weeks. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Maybe even sooner, depending on... Maybe sooner. Yeah, we'll see. You'll see. Cool. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay, cool. Bye. Bye. Some room sound, okay. I need some noise. It's like I shut up. Cool. 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 <laughs> that was way more chaotic than the last.